You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Welcome to CCEF On The Go. I'm your host, Alastair Groves, a faculty member at CCEF. And today I have the privilege of talking with my colleague, Laura Andrews, who is a faculty candidate here at CCEF. Laura, thanks so much for being here. How are you doing? I am. It is the end of the day and feel a little <laughs> bit weary, but I'm actually really glad to be here. Great. Well, um, what I wanted to do today in our conversation was to spend some time bouncing thoughts off each other on a topic that I know we've actually both spent some time thinking about, which is the issue of, of boundaries. How, um, how you think about it, I think, often is even shaped by how you understand that word, what that word even means. Um, standard uh, operating thoughts out there that I hear are along the lines of, um, you need to have good boundaries if you're going to be in ministry or if you're going to care for people and, and you're going to be involved in people's lives, you also need to make sure that you have good boundaries. The idea being, if you don't have good boundaries, you're going to burn out. You're going to um, be unable to sustain ministry over the long haul. And, and within that, there's a, a ton of different perspectives. Um, some are more pro-boundaries language. Others are less pro-boundaries language. Um, I will in 10 seconds right now, put my cards on the table and say, it, it's language I've tended to have a, a personal discomfort with, um, but I also have interacted with lots of people whom I very much respect and like what they are saying, who like the language of boundaries. And so uh, I, I'm interested both in the semantics of it and in uh, obviously more importantly, the meat of it. What are we actually talking about here? Because we don't want people burning out in ministry, formal or informal. So. I think the question I'd love for you to start with, Laura, is just um, what do you even mean when you find yourself talking about boundaries or hearing about boundaries, and and what's got your thinking going? Where where are your juices flowing? Yeah, so now I have to flip back through kind of my own personal history. Um, probably the first time I really started to form an opinion on boundaries, I remember it it, it being a conversation that that kind of echoed that discomfort. It was more people reacting to, you know, boundaries being more more artificial or more something we, we adopt in order to kind of protect ourselves or kind of put a wall between us and another person. And yeah, maybe, maybe it's fair to say I didn't really form an opinion, but I just kind of have thought about that. And then probably a combination of noticing my own weaknesses and noticing the weaknesses of, of folks that I have worked with, probably in training, uh, training a lot of people in ministry and also in counseling. I, the population of people I counsel tends to be people in ministry, people who take on a lot of responsibility, people who feel, you know, feel others' brokenness, uh, who see need and they respond. They are the, they are the responders. And so that, that's just forced me to grapple more with this idea of boundaries and yeah, what, what does God have to say about these things and what is he directing us to do and maybe more importantly, what, is that, what does that journey 
like um, because it's not kind of wherever we land that's going to change from time to time and so how do we um, engage with God how do we draw wisdom from others how do we um, step back and look at ourselves and our current circumstances and make wise decisions um, and not just wise decisions toward the end of being comfortable or protecting ourselves but really toward sure. um, being good stewards and, and being being able to sustain the kind of ministry that we are doing uh, while still while still taking risks and still sacrificing things um, expecting that God will provide you know, provide manna the next day so there's some kind of initial thoughts huh let me give you a, a, just a quick response to that um, I really like the way you just contrasted uh, sustainable stewardship I think were the words used versus the ability to risk and sacrifice and saying those have contrasted in the sense that they both have to be part of the picture it's not about you just give and give and give because that's what that's what servanthood means nor is it you just protect yourself and never risk or sacrifice because you come first um, rather there has to be room for both sacrifice and stewardship that uh, that's really helpful to me in terms of getting getting key words on the table that the that the issue that the word boundaries is trying to address and and trying to evoke um, Lord let me let me since you went personal let me let me go personal here for uh, another moment or two as well I um, I ran into the issue of boundaries specifically um, when I was in campus ministry for a couple of years after I graduated from college. So I've been very involved as an undergrad and had been increasingly feeling the weight of that responsibility and feeling a ton of obligation. I tend to be a people pleaser. Uh, that was getting more uncomfortable as time went on and there was more and more people to please. Uh, I graduate from college, I start into campus ministry, and I just remember feeling like I had no idea how to even understand the difference between ministry and friendship, or should there even be one? Um, and I, I was, um, it was very unclear to me where my job began and ended. And I found myself more and more just wanting to withdraw from people across the board. And so I would say by the end of my second year on campus ministry, I was, I was burning out. Um, and I was very um, unsure of what to do about that. In that process, I had people say to me, like, well, you know what, you need to make sure you've got healthy boundaries. And I remember always feeling uncomfortable with it because it felt like I was being encouraged to be selfish. I felt like people were saying to me, look, you've got to make sure you're okay, and if you're okay, then you can go do ministry. And I just felt like that is just not the way I hear the New Testament speaking about, you know, following Christ and taking up my cross and bearing one another's burdens. I don't, I don't hear the self-protective instinct in Paul or in Jesus or Peter. I hear uh, love and give and, you know, let the spirit flow through and from you. And, um, and yet I had to acknowledge I was in a really bad place and something was off. Um, and I was, is this just me having a fear of man issue that I need to deal with? Anyhow, I got to seminary and I heard a, um, a lecture by Paul Tripp in, uh, in one of my classes where he was asked the boundaries question and he said something that's been very helpful to me although I've um, I found I needed to add another category or two to the picture in order for it to uh, give me a working framework but I remember him saying uh, in, in, in the way only Paul Tripp can where he just you know he cuts right to the, to the chase and he, he says things in a provocative way he basically said something to the effect of he's like yeah boundaries are totally unbiblical 
um, you know, you need to be willing to take a call at three o'clock in the morning. And you could hear like the collective, just like everyone's heart dropped into their shoes, you know, mm-hmm. when they heard him say this. Um, he, but then he came back and said, but if you are going to, um, if you're going to be in ministry, you cannot, you may not invite people to treat you as the Messiah. You can't allow people to come to you for things they ought to be going to the Lord for. And that means that you're going to need to say no to things that people are going to want you to do for them. And it's actually not loving to say yes to things because it makes you feel good or makes you, you know, you're not uncomfortable in the interaction with them now or whatever. So that idea of um, saying yes too much speaks of a Messiah complex. It's not about drawing boundaries that keep you safe. It's about um, saying yes and no based on what is actually healthy to invite this person to expect of me. I thought that was a really helpful reframing and it gave me, it at least spoke to my sense of here was a way of talking about the issue that didn't speak to, or that didn't feel like it was telling me to be selfish and put myself ahead of other people. Um, I've had some other thoughts since, but let me, let me pause myself there. Thoughts and reactions to that, um, thoughts and, and reactions to your own sense of the, the journey you find yourself guiding people on in ministry? You know, I, it's funny, I'm, I'm thinking back. I bet you and I were in the same class, actually, when we... I, I do remember hearing that from him, and... Um, Did your heart drop, too? <laughs> I'm trying to remember what my reaction was. I also remember, it might not have been the same lecture, but um, he, he had mentioned a situation where someone was calling him and saying, like people are calling me for help and I need you to step in. And he kind of said, well, good luck. You know, kind of like, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to send you on your way. And um, maybe that wasn't explicitly tied to the boundaries conversation, but uh, it just kind of broadened my view of does love mean always saying yes to other people's needs? Um, So that was, that was provocative or that that really stirred my thoughts. Um, Yeah. And even along with that, Love sometimes means disappointing other people or letting them feel need um, and not trying to remove that experience of need or um, trying to remedy, you know, people's suffering uh, or difficulty. Um, So, yeah, I think I do remember that. And I think since then, yeah, is it okay if I muse for a minute? Please, please do. Um, I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I, I think that something that's been surprising to me, and, and just to touch back on the sacrifice versus stewardship piece, um, maybe it's because of my own weaknesses. I think I've always thought, you know, it, if you sacrifice, you are doing honorable work before the Lord. And if you if you aren't sacrificing, it's, it's it, at least it's questionable whether or not you're doing a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I've really, that has really changed for me over the years. I think kind of my new starting place or my current starting place is that my life belongs to the Lord. Um, and that means, you know, two expressions of that or two responses to that is that I take care of my life. Um, I maintain my life. I, um, I pursue health. I pr- pursue sustainability. Um, I take care of, you know, for example, I take care of my body. You know, my body is not mine. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not necessarily going to have the perfect diet or the perfect exercise routine. Um, but I'm going to seek to, you know, be healthy um, in moderation. Um, my my family relationships are not mine to dispose of, or my intimate relationships. Um, I know that my husband at times has felt 
you know, maybe years ago that I would easily throw him under the bus or I'll throw our relationship under the bus in order to respond to some, you know, outside person's need. And yeah, I've been really convicted of that, that my marriage belongs to the Lord and that's something I need to care for. And now my relationship with my children. Um, so, so that's, that's been kind of the piece that God has been building up that my life and everything in it belongs to God. And so I need to steward it. I need to care for it. Um, I need to, I need to take stock, um, and it's not that I'm gonna necessarily going to know what's you know, in my bank account at any given time, but I need to at least be revisiting that with God and saying, everything that I have belongs to you, so how do you want me to use it? Where do you want me to invest and cultivate, and where do you want me to give away without expecting a return? Um, and, and so I've been wrestling with that and inviting people that I'm counseling and people that I'm, I've been teaching to wrestle with that as well, because I think that their instinct can be unless I'm giving something away without expecting a return. Um, and anything but that is second rate. And I, and I, don't, think, I don't think Jesus followed that mentality. I think he actually was really good at um, maintaining and caring and preserving his life, even as he was submitting to the Father's will to give it away. Right. Well, I mean, just you've got my mind going a couple different directions, but thinking about thinking about all the times he said no, people wanted him to, people wanted Jesus to stay and preach and do miracles. That's a pretty good desire, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think most yeah. of us would be like, people want more preaching from Jesus. We would be like, that is a good thing. You should keep doing that, right? And yet he said no to that on numerous occasions. I said, no, I must go preach somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I must go heal somewhere else. I am not... Um, I am not simply here at this location answering these needs. I have this broader mission. And I think what I hear you identifying is a sense of um, there's a way to live that can feel very godly because I'm always answering some immediate, obvious, urgent need in someone near me or even potentially far away from me and social media. Now, like all the need of the world is sort of available to us all the time. So there's this endless sense of I could be doing something right now, mm-hmm. um, which is overwhelming in and of itself. Um, but there's also a, a sense in which um, there are, I, I like, like your example of, I have to honor my marriage, to honor my husband, doesn't just mean responding to him with sympathy and compassion and a listening ear when he's in a crisis. It actually means nurturing and maintaining it on a regular basis, um, which I really appreciate. And, and so as I hear you speaking the language of stewardship and of, you know, we need to, um, yeah, another great phrase and I've lost it, but all you listeners out there, whatever she said like three minutes ago, that was brilliant. Um, so I, I just, I'm really appreciating that. And I think for me, the word has been priorities um, and or uh, good commitments and so just thinking in terms of a bigger picture of, okay, if I, say, if I say yes to this particular request or this need, um, what will I be saying no to? And if the answer is I'll be saying no to my fifth hour of video games on a Thursday night, then that probably is something for me to say yes to. Um, but if on the flip side I'm saying uh, what I'll be saying no to is two hours of sleep on a night I was already only get at six and I have to be counseling four hours and presenting something at a church tomorrow night. Um, you know, if my child wakes up throwing up in the middle of the night and I have to be up with them and I'm on four hours when I'm doing that, okay, then I'm asking the Lord to provide for me. But if the reason that I'm, uh, I, I have to weigh the loss of my exhaustion the next day in trying to execute my responsibilities versus 
the loss to another person of me not stepping in to help them or maybe not stepping in as much as they would want and hope. And, mm-hmm. um, and what happens for me in that context is, number one, everything does get a little bit, there's a gr- huge gray area because I'm making a ton of judgment calls about what is the best way to honor the Lord with the limited resources I have. But at least I'm having a conversation in terms of there are, there are valid priorities here. Jesus left and went and preached somewhere else not because he couldn't stay and preach, not because people didn't want him to, but because he had a sense of priority, a sense of mission, a sense of commitment. He was stewarding his calling. Um, and, uh, and he did get away to rest. And then when he got away to rest and there's a huge crowd there, he chose in the moment to speak to them and feed them. And so there's this, um, there's anything but a clear, easy rule of you must always be well-rested, well-fed, and happy in order to do ministry, nor sacrifice is the point as if you know if the only way to know that you're doing good ministry is if you're feeling bad um which i hear and that, that's a that's an instinct i share with the folks you counsel yeah yeah i love that you mentioned gray um because it's so funny when when i meet with people for counseling they're kind of saying like tell me the right way or tell me what to do and i was like you know what god seems to love gray like more than we do um <laughs> we, <laughs> And, and sometimes we, we figure that out by omission. Like, what is he not telling us? Um, but I, I also think that, that God invites us into process or into a journey. And it's more important that we're engaging with him as we kind of try things out, as we experiment, as we are open, you know, hold things with an open hand, as we reevaluate, as we kind of come out on the other side of a decision and, you know, in an experience, and we say, you know, I could, I could give a little more, or actually I need to pull back a little bit more. Um, but I just encourage people, you know, God is comfortable with the gray. He's comfortable with the process. It's probably more important that we, we engage him in that process. We engage other wise people um, that, that we're kind of committed to this journey of, you know, trying things out. Um, and that's, that's going to be our way forward as opposed to having this rigid sense of what are always going to be my boundaries, what are always going to be the places where I give things away. And I, I don't like that. Um, and, yet I, I, and yet I've found that at the very least I can, I can accept, I can, I can try to cultivate a comfort with God is okay with me here. And actually this is a place where he and I, you know, cultivate intimacy together. Um, and I am reminded that this is, this is his life, that my life belongs to him. And if, if I'm supposed to be going another direction, he's really going to need to make that clear to me through, through experience, through his word, through other people. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's been my encouragement as people think about how do I assess, you know, boundaries, limitations, sacrifices uh, for the long road. Mm-hmm. Laura, I, I love that way you just put it. Gray, the gray areas are actually an invitation to intimacy with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which as soon as you say that, I realize how true that is. Because on the one hand, um, we much prefer black and white, and part of the reason we like black and white is because it doesn't force intimacy. It doesn't. We don't have to do the awkward work of wrestling with. Okay, Lord, like, is my heart in the right place as I make this decision? Uh, we don't have to wrestle with. How, how does your scripture come to bear on all the different pieces and all the different factors that play into this decision? We prefer 
well, it's this time of night, so I don't have to answer you ever. Or um, someone has a need, therefore I must show up. You know, those are much easier ways to do it, and they don't require any intimacy. That doesn't require dependence on the Lord. That just requires I know my rule and I do it. And I'm, I'm, I know what I'm getting myself into, and I know how to handle it, and I can do it on my own, or at least that's the, that's the temptation. I don't want to overstate the case, but um, to, I, the idea that, that grayness forces us deeper into relationship because it forces judgment calls, which forces a wrestling with, who am I, Lord? Where do you have me? What am I doing? I, I really appreciate that. That is not, that's not a way I've ever seen this particular struggle before, um, but I think you're absolutely right. I feel like we need a mic drop moment here. Just like, Laura's <laughs> answered the question now, once and for all. Really, it's go. that you could get me talking on the topic for so long. I have to, I have to put boundaries around myself to keep talking about <laughs> this topic. Yes. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Laura, I do feel like we have, um, we have mused well together here. I appreciate uh, the chance to do so. And I do think this is the moment to draw the boundary on our conversation. We can, we can always talk more as we have further thoughts. But um, thank you for chatting, and uh, I'll be curious to hear uh, how your thinking has further evolved in coming weeks and months. Sounds good. If you feel like there is more to say and more to think about the topic of boundaries, you're right. One resource you might find helpful is an article Ed Welch wrote on boundaries, responding to some of the work that's been done by Cloud and Townsend. And they're probably the thinkers most responsible for moving the language of boundaries into mainstream Christian conversation. Ed's article is entitled Boundaries in Relationships, which may not be the most exciting title you've ever heard, but you can't fault it for not clearly identifying the topic. We will post it on our website, which is ccef.org podcast, and it will be free until our next episode goes up. As always, we welcome questions. Email us at podcast at ccef.org. Till next time, blessings.